I'm just going to read a little further here in Ephesians 1 today. We'll start again with verse 3. All those blessings, every spiritual blessing. And we'll read a bit more about that. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, having predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him. Unto an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things upon the earth, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who are the first to hope in Christ should be to the praise of his glory, in whom you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's possession to the praise of his glory. Anybody understand anything in there? Apparently this is some deep stuff, deep theology that Paul here records. Uh, some people have described this as the pinnacle of Paul's writings. There have been a few accolades given by various scholars of the book of Ephesians and what Paul wrote here. And so on that one hand, this is an extensive topic that we're looking at today in Christ. We could spend much time on it, fruitfully plumbing the depths of the richness of this concept. God's Word definitely does run deep. And just as a deep pool of cool, fresh water, anybody can approach that and just sip off the surface. Everybody has access. Many people wade in a little deeper and explore as much as their faith will allow. And there are a few who will dive really deep into the Word of God, their faith granting them courage to explore even further, the wonderful, scary, yet rewarding, profound vastness of God's revealed ocean of knowledge. There is much here, and it's deep. Ephesians unapologetically addresses some of these deep core needs that we have, whether we recognize this to be the case or not. And this is something that all mankind needs to hear and understand and then make a decision about. There's some significant stuff here. We have to take note and choose what we will do with it. So um, we'll just look at a few pertinent aspects here this morning 
instead of going really deep. And it should be a helpful guide then to bring us closer into relationship, into the presence, to the heart of God this morning. Addressing aspects of cosmic justice, for instance, would take us really deep. But again, we're not going that deep. These things were written to an established church. If you read in Acts 19, for instance, Paul had spent uh, two years at least, more, in Ephesus. This was a well-taught group he was writing to. And so it's not surprising then that he writes with richness and depth and significance and difficult concepts. But on the other hand, what we read here is actually very simple to understand also for those who are not yet Christians. And so this morning as we look at this, we're going to address both the group that is saved and the group that is not yet saved. And there will be value here for all of us. These things are available in Jesus only. That's why we're focusing on in Christ. We're going to look at how crucial or how vital these are and then ask the question, so how do I get there in Christ? Firstly, we're going to look at acceptance in Christ. God the Father expresses his blessings today primarily in Christ. And that's just how it is. Now, this does not mean that he operates solely in or through Jesus, but rather that he provides all the significant things we need in Christ. So, for instance, he can get somebody's attention through his majestic creation. Romans chapter 1, for instance, gives us good insight into that. Or he could refocus somebody with some form of discipline. Whatever way he chooses to gather, get our attention, what he's trying to do is lead us to Christ, his Son, and then invite us unto himself, into relationship with himself through the access portal, the door, Jesus, his Son. So whatever means he uses to get your attention is leading to Jesus. And there... In Christ, he pours out his wonderful gifts for us. So we're going to look quickly at a few of these. We're, uh, this is not an exhaustive list out of Ephesians, but it's a comprehensive list out of Ephesians. We're just going to contemplate some of the significance of what he's saying. I'd like you, while we sort of go fairly quickly through here, to try to dwell on this how important these things are that are being mentioned. These are not just little novelty gifts, blessings that are mentioned here. These are key to life eternal. These are significant things that Paul lists here that we have in Christ. So in chapter 1, we are chosen in Christ, even before creation, the eternal plan of God. In verse 4, also in chapter 1, we are chosen in Christ to be holy and blameless. In verse 5, we are adopted as children through Christ. In verse 6, we receive generous amounts of grace in Jesus. In verse 7, in Jesus are redemption and forgiveness. In verse 11, in Christ we have our inheritance. 
In verse 13, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit in Jesus. Chapter 2 says that we are made alive with Christ in verse 5. Verse 6 says we are raised with Christ. It also says in verse 6 that we are seated in the heavenlies in Christ. Verse 7 is where we, which records how we receive the kindness of God expressed in Christ. Verse 13 says we are brought near in Jesus by his blood. Verse 16, we are reconciled to God in Christ. These are deep, significant, life-saving, eternal things that God provides in Christ. There's an implication there. If they're in Christ, they are nowhere else. And we're getting this long list of vital things that we as Christians who've lived a long life with Christ, recognized to be of vital importance. They are in Christ. And for those who are not yet Christians, if you're first hearing about this or have heard about this and are being reminded, you can get to tell that this is important stuff. And it's in Christ. Verses 21 to 22 of chapter 2 say that we're built into a holy dwelling place for God in Christ. Chapter 3 verse 6, we are partakers of the promise to Abraham in Christ. Verse 12, we have boldness and confident access to God in Christ. So would we have access to God outside of Christ? Chapter 4 verse 32, forgiveness of God is in Christ. Verse 8 of chapter 5 says we have light in the Lord. We are no longer in darkness. Verse 10 of chapter 6 says we are strong in the Lord. So, as Acts, 12, uh, Acts 4 verse 12 tells us, there's no other name by which we might be saved except the name of Jesus. And so, if the case has not yet been made by Paul in this list of things, then I guess it cannot be made. Without Jesus, we do not have reconciliation, forgiveness, adoption, access, salvation. These are only in Jesus. And in order to be restored to God after having been separated from God because of sin, as Isaiah 59 verse 2, for instance, says, these things are necessary. The end result, the goal for God here is reconciliation. And this is really important for us, is that we understand that he does not emphasize how bad we are, which is one of the things God is accused of, or sometimes how we in our guilt can think about it. This is not God's emphasis, how bad we are. Rather... This is a list demonstrating how willing he is to take care of all the obstacles that keep us from him. It's a totally different perspective. He has gone through all of these things, provided all of these things in Christ. He pours them out on us generously in Christ because he's trying to rescue us from the problem of sin. Not bludgeon us with our history. 
He loves us so much, as Ephesians 2 verse 4 says, that he pours out everything, does everything in his power to accept us back into his family, to adopt us back into his family, to be his children again after we have been unfaithful. And again, this is written to an established church, long-time Christians. We need to be reminded that this is a gracious God we deal with. And if we have made mistakes as Christians, remember the blessings we have in Christ. And this is written also for those who are not yet saved. This is good news. God very specifically and intentionally chooses to have us back in His presence. If you have not yet been saved, this should be good news to you. It's really vital that we understand that God's emphasis is not on bashing us for our sin, but on rescuing us from the penalty of our sin. It doesn't matter who we are, where we come from, what we've done. All are welcome. God loves us. He earnestly wholeheartedly desires to have his disobedient creation return to him and then stay faithful to him for our blessing, not for his. He is God. He is saved, as it were. He is eternal. He needs nothing from us. He provides for us everything we need. And so what he does is for our good, he wants to bless us. He wants to rescue us from what is detrimental, harmful, fatal for us. Praise God. If we are saved then by grace through faith, as we read of here, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 5 and 8. And if this grace, as we've read in this list in chapter, in, in, verse 6 of chapter 1, excuse me, I'm going to read that again. To the praise of the glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved then we realize we can be saved only in Jesus. And with all of this found in Jesus, where then should we find ourselves? The answer is obvious. So apart from being accepted then in Christ, adopted back in, forgiven, returned to Him in Christ, we have also our second point to look at this morning, purpose in Christ. In chapter 4 of Ephesians, verse 10, we read, sorry, chapter 2, verse 10, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So God has in mind to bestow on us matters of significant importance. Not only are we accepted in Christ, we aren't accepted back into Christ just to sit around. We are accepted into Christ to fulfill a purpose, a meaningful purpose, a life that means something in Christ. We are not left on the one hand to stumble around 
hopelessly seeking something meaningful or significant to grab hold of. Nor, on the other hand, in arrogance or maybe in sort of some vain search for meaning to carve out something significant for us and hoping there to find significance. So it's neither stumbling about aimlessly nor confidently, ignorantly, chasing something meaningless. Rather, we are invited to take our place in the life-saving, destiny-changing, eternally significant work of God. To participate with God in things that mean something both here and forever. It is a far bigger role than just what we can find on ourselves in this world. 